from his word, which grants us the wisdom and the ability to know what is necessary in order to please our God. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 2 and 3, where we're going to introduce our study together today. As has been mentioned by Brother Cameron, it's so good to have children and people who are with us, those who are visiting, those who are in the parking lot, those who are traveling with us here today. We're glad that you are taking time to worship with us and to study with us together. There are so many things that are going on that we have prayed about even today. Spiritual difficulties that you may be enduring. Spiritual difficulties that your children may be enduring. Physical difficulties, financial reminds me of passages like 
sun shining on the good and on the evil, the rain that falls on the good and falls on the evil. And the whole point behind all of that simply is that all individuals suffer because of the choices of those who sin incidentally at the beginning and initially and also for us today. And that brings us to where I had our scripture reading from. We're not going to reread the passages in Habakkuk. Habakkuk is probably my favorite minor prophet. And the reason is because there is so much that he writes about that is applicable to every generation. And if you go back and read those first four verses, note, if you would, the timelessness that Habakkuk references. He says, how long shall I cry? Which tells me that there is a lot of endless suffering that was going on in his day some 24, 2700 years ago. And there are problems that go on today. And then did you notice what Habakkuk said? He says, how long shall I cry? And then he says, you will not hear. It's as if he's saying, God, where are you? Do you not see the difficulty in my personal life? Do you not see the challenges in my financial life? Do you not see the difficulties going on in my spiritual choices? Do you not see all of these things that are transpiring? You will not hear. And then he says, you show me iniquity, wherein it's everywhere. I see evil all around me. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. And then he goes on to say that justice never goes forth. You know, those four statements made by Habakkuk could be made in 2021 or any year between then and now today. Where we look and we say, how long is this going to go on? And it could be referring to any kind of suffering, individual or as a collective nature. And we say, how long is it going to go on? Where are you, God? When are you going to do something about it? And like us, Habakkuk on that occasion, some 24 to 2700 years ago, Habakkuk was inundated with evil around him, and he wasn't understanding why it was so and why it was so pervasive. But then in verses 5 through 11, where our brother Tony read for us a few moments ago, God reminded him that he was in control. It hurt Habakkuk to witness suffering. He says, I don't like seeing what's going on in the world around me. And we can certainly sympathize or empathize with Habakkuk the prophet on this occasion. It hurts us None of us likes to see someone go through a medical difficulty where they are confined to their home or they are hospitalized for a period of time. We do not like it. We do not enjoy seeing those things transpiring. But can you imagine how it makes God feel when bad things happen and when we suffer? Because after all, we are created, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, in his image. Suffering is a problem for many reasons, but suffering is a problem because it hurts. Whether physically or emotionally, when we suffer, it just feels downright horrible. And you think about when people who are innocent, whether they are children or whether they are individuals who have no fault in their own have suffered, 
it's important that we heard as well. Turn over, if you would, to the book of Psalms, the 127th Psalm. I couldn't help but think about this particular passage in Psalm 127, where it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And then he goes on to say, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one youth. I point that out because children and all of us as children of God, we are important to God, and they are important to us, but they are important to God first and foremost. We need to appreciate that there is a problem associated with suffering that goes all the way back to the very beginning. And we need to appreciate that God has a way to help us, which brings us to the second thing about suffering, and that is God provides us with protection in suffering. You know, if this was the end of the sermon, you might be pleased that the sermon is now over, but you wouldn't be pleased that the message was over, right? Because I don't want to just hear about the problem. I want to see that God is there to protect you, and God certainly does protect us in times of suffering because God is indeed the most compassionate God. As the only God who exists, he's compassionate, he loves us, he provides for us, and he protects us. And his word reinforces this message repeatedly. Now, by protection, I do not mean that God prevents. Because we know, and our young people could tell you, that God allows us to go through difficulties. And they are character-building opportunities, as we'll talk about here in just a moment. But the fact is, is he is constantly present to support us, to help us. Our good God allows us to suffer, and our good God cares that we suffer. Get nothing else out of our study today. Just remember that when you suffer sometimes, when something happens to you physically, emotionally, financially, or spiritually, something happens to you this month, this week, next month, whatever the case may be, God cares. Even though, like Habakkuk, we may say, where are you, God? Why aren't you working some miracle in my life? Why aren't you providing for me? The fact is, is God is there to protect us. God is not subject to the limitations of human knowledge or human ability. In fact, he knows absolutely everything. In that great Sermon on the Mountaintop in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need of before you even ask Him. So when you go to God and say, God, I'm suffering, will you please help me with the problem of suffering by protecting me? God says, I already know what you're enduring. That's not to say that we aren't to go to God and say, please help me, I am suffering, because my parent is sick, my grandparent is sick, or I'm struggling financially, or I'm struggling spiritually. But God is able to do things that are indeed impossible for men, that we can't imagine or we can't conjure up in our minds. With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. And that then reminds me of yet another favorite passage of mine that I've talked about before, that God
able to do exceedingly abundantly above or beyond what we could think or imagine. As Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. There's a second thing that I want us to appreciate about protection in suffering. And that is God offers his protection to those who suffer by giving us comfort. God is a God of comfort. If you want to do a study of your own, just go through and look at all the examples of Jesus giving comfort. Of God showing comfort to those who are suffering, to those who are in trouble. No matter what a person endures or how a person suffers, God promises that he's going to be there to provide comfort. It goes back to the classic psalm, the one that's the best known in Psalm 23 in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they provide me comfort, or they comfort me. No matter how many worries, concerns, sufferings, or anxieties a person has, God says, I am there to comfort you. In Psalm 94 and in verse 19, in the multitude of my anxieties, the psalmist says, your comfort delights my soul. What a beautiful passage. In the multitude of my anxieties. You may say, you know what? That, I could write that. I have a lot of anxieties. I have a lot of concerns. I'm suffering with a lot of things. And, and I, maybe you don't share them with others, but they're internal things that you really are anxious about. In the multitude of all my anxieties, your comfort delights my soul. Thirdly, we need to appreciate God's protection in the sense that God offers his protection by providing us with deliverance, with salvation, with redemption. And this is how David looked at God. Go back to Psalm 32, if you would. And you'll notice that we're spending a lot of time in the Psalms because there's so much good in the Psalms when it comes to how God protects us in our time of suffering. But notice, if you would, in Psalm 32, in verse 7, he says, you, God, are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with the song of deliverance. And then just a page or so over in your Bibles in Psalm 34 and verse 17, the Bible says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. If you like underlining things in your Bible, underline the word all. Because God doesn't deliver us or protect us from some of our troubles. He delivers us and cares about us and protects us from all of our troubles. Now, does this mean that God will make Christians' lives on earth perfect? And the answer, of course, to that is no. Of course not. Because it brings us to a fourth observation, and that is God offers his protection by reminding us of the appropriate perspective in life, by keeping in mind what really matters versus what doesn't matter. And that takes us back to a passage that we studied just four weeks ago in our Sunday morning Bible class in 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There's a lot of passages in 2 Corinthians chapter or 2 Corinthians that jump out to me in light of what we're talking about today. We'll talk about chapter 1 a little bit in just a moment. But in chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So read that and really consider, if you would, a number of things. Let me suggest three things very quickly before we go to our final observation. That is, number one, Paul is clear, we will suffer. So if you were hoping for a message today to say that there's some new revelation or that the preacher man found a new passage that says we're no longer going to suffer, I'm here to disappoint you because I can't find that. Instead, I find where Paul and the Holy Spirit and every writer that talks about life on earth says you're going to have some suffering. You're going to endure some difficult days. You are going to have some anxiety. And this is a church that as you listen to the announcements, as you read the emails that come out throughout an average week, we have a lot of things to potentially be anxious about. But of course, we know the Bible says be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. But the fact is, is Paul is clear, we will suffer. That's part of life. That's part of human life. And it's part of the Christian experience. We won't take the time to read these three passages, but 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 is a passage that reminds us that all who desire to live godly not might suffer persecution, but they will suffer persecution. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, if you want to really understand suffering and its nature, read 1 Peter. Because the concept of suffering is illustrated in 1 Peter more than any other book, arguably, in the New Testament where Peter talks to a group of individuals who are suffering because of their faith in Christ and because of their diligence in doing what God has asked them to do. Let me also suggest, secondly, that our renewal experience is internal because this matches the nature of God who, 1 Samuel chapter 16, looks not at the outside of a man but looks at the inside of a man. And he looks at the heart of a person, does he not, as we talked about recently? And let me suggest, thirdly, that the more we mature as Christians, the more we'll understand God's protection. We sometimes use the phrase, we need to approach each day by day. That blends nicely with Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's troubles are sufficient for themselves. It's unfair to think that we'll master being a Christian in a month or, or a year or maybe even a decade. It is a day-by-day -day process where we are trying to be stronger, and it is indeed a challenge to do so. But God protects us when we suffer, and he wants to be there for you. And as we prayed this morning, as our brother Cameron led us in prayer, it's possible that there's one here this morning that's not even a Christian yet. And you need to become a Christian to have that protection in suffering. That brings me then to a uh, third and final observation. And that is the product of suffering. As the one who knows us better than ourselves, that's God because he knows us so well. He knows that we learn and grow as a result of our sufferings. 
want you to look at two important observations. Number one, sometimes suffering is the result of our sinful choices. Sometimes. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about this in verse 5, where it says, You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And then in verse 8, he says, If you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. And so, for example, there are some, not all, but there are some sicknesses or cancers that are a result of a person's sinful choices. There are broken families where children are estranged from their parents or siblings are estranged from one another because of sin. Sometimes there's the loss of a loved one because of the sinful choices of a person or persons. And so what we need to appreciate is that sometimes we suffer because we've done wrong, because we have made poor choices. But we also need to appreciate and say that God, that to say he makes people do bad things in order to deliver a message is wrong and is inappropriate. Look, if you would, at Matthew chapter 5. I already quoted from Matthew chapter 5 a few moments ago. But in verse 45, he says that you may be sons for your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. The whole point being is that sometimes good things happen to people that aren't that great and vice versa. We've got to appreciate that life just happens sometimes. And let me go a little bit further in. I'm going to get very specific here, and I hope that you'll appreciate if, if you're familiar with the Westboro uh, group. But the Westboro uh, Baptist Church, uh, which exists, isn't doing any favors for those who are striving to faithfully serve God. I'm, I'm not trying to pick on a particular church, but this is a group that you see in the news. This is the group that will go and protest at a funeral. This is the group that will go to a cemetery and try to corral people and to make them feel bad, saying, this is the bad that has happened to you because of sin in your life. That's not the way that we are to approach things. That's not the way that we are to try to teach people. And that's not the way that we are trying to influence others. So what good does come from suffering? Let me suggest in closing three things that come from suffering. You say, wait a minute, I don't know any good that comes from suffering. Well, as good Bible students, you know that there is good that comes from suffering, that we learn from it, that we have experiences that help others. Let me suggest three things. Number one, because of suffering, we are reminded of our need to rely on God. You know, when you have difficult days, when your parents are sick, when your job is fraught with uncertainty, when you're having financial challenges, it reminds you that life on earth is not about life on earth. And I'm just a passing through, as we sometimes sing, because this world is not my home. If life is all about life on earth, that's, well, that's depressing. 
That's sad. And it reminds me of what Paul says, we are of all men the most pitiable. I want to look at two passages that you probably have already thought of. One in 2 Corinthians 1 and one in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, which we'll study, Lord willing, in just a week or two. But in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, I could do a whole sermon just on chapter 1. In fact, I, I preached a sermon before on chapter 1 that deals with the concept of suffering and why we suffer and why we have difficulties. And one of the points that I would make is that here in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, we have the sentence of death to ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. That's one of the reasons that you and I are allowed to suffer, is to cause us to remind us of the importance of, I've got to trust God. I've got to put my trust in, not in doctors, though they do a lot of good, not in financial experts, though they're helpful too, not in any human being, but I put my trust in the Lord, that's where I get my reliance on. And then if you fast forward to where Brian will take us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in just a week or two, we find that occasionally where Paul says, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn or a stake in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Drop down to verse 10. He says, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. You and I understand that sometimes the weaknesses that we have experienced financially, physically, even spiritually, are those occasions that are right for us to grow and to become stronger in service to our God. Secondly, when we suffer, we are able to set an example for others. I made reference to 1 Peter chapter 4, but I want to very quickly just read those verses in 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 16. He says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. We do an awful lot of good when we suffer and we take it and we say, you know what? I'm going to remain resilient in my service to God, in my faithfulness to my spouse, in my, in my faithfulness to my job, whatever the case may be. I'm not going to allow any of the suffering, any of the difficulty of this life to keep me from doing the good that I should be doing. Someone might say, well, how do you remain so optimistic? Bingo. Now we've got the opportunity to reflect to Jesus Christ as he talked about in Matthew 5, verse 16. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And thirdly and finally, suffering is a key part of glorifying God and us teaching about him. Look, if you would, at two passages, one in John 11 and one in John 11. John chapter 11, very early on in that particular account where the death of Lazarus is occurring, of course, this is the famous When Jesus heard that, that Lazarus was sick, he 
said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So can we, can we rephrase verse 4 just a little bit and say, this suffering is not unto death, but the suffering is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then drop down to verse 45, where it says, many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things that Jesus did, parentheses, related to suffering, or as a result of suffering, or against the backdrop of suffering, close uh, there, had seen the things that Jesus did, they believed in him. Had there not been suffering, there would not have been the opportunity for people to believe in Jesus. And the same is true for us 2,000 years later. When we suffer, we can produce something, and that is a confidence, not arrogance, but a confidence that God's got this. And no matter what happens with my cancer, no matter what happens with my financial uncertainty, no matter what happens with, just fill in the blank, with whatever causes you to suffer, God has got this. Because God is a God who cares. You have shown me great and severe troubles, the psalmist says shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness, and you shall comfort me on every side. Psalm 71, verse 20. What a beautiful psalm. It's the God who comforts us on every side. That is the God that we serve. We began this morning, as Brother Cameron led us in prayer, by talking about how great our God is, how awesome and truly he is, and how there is none compared to him. And that's the God that we are privileged to serve. And that's the God that we want you to serve this morning. And that may mean you making a correction in your life as a Christian who is in error, or that may becoming a Christian in the first place. You may say, well, you didn't say that I wasn't going to suffer in this sermon. I can't say that. But I can say that when you do suffer, God cares, will protect, will provide. And that's the God that we are pleased to serve this morning. If we can help you to become a Christian by having your sins washed away in the waters of baptism, we would welcome that opportunity. Or if we can help you to become a stronger Christian in service to God, let us know.